Okay. Well, hey, everybody. If you don't know me, my name is Jamie Moore. Uh, I serve as associate pastor at MCC. Uh, my wife and our two kiddos and I moved uh, up to Cincinnati from Tulsa, Oklahoma back in June. So we're new to the church, new to the area, but uh, already feel uh, like family with our MCC family, but also, I'll be honest, with the new mission family, already feel like family. Amen. So I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Give me more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Rob asked me to, to lead and to speak this weekend, and uh, I was excited to do that. And he said that he really felt like the Lord was um, asking us to look at prayer, to talk about prayer. Um, and I literally, I, I remember, I can, I can see it in my mind. I was down in my basement. I hung up the phone uh, from talking to Rob, and I just said, Father... What do you want to say? And he said this. He gave me this phrase. He said, men of presence. Men of presence. He said, talk about becoming a man of presence. A man who carries the presence of God. I'm not talking about just prayer requests, right? We're talking about cultivating the presence of God in our life. So that's what this weekend is. We're talking about prayer, but this is probably not any prayer retreat you've ever been to because we're talking about cultivating the presence of God in our life. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Tonight, we're looking at what does it mean to become a man of presence? And then tomorrow morning, we're going to be looking at the responsibilities of a man of presence. Like, what are we responsible for as men to our wives and to our kids and to our community? What does it mean to cultivate the presence of God in such a way that we will actually steward that presence and release the presence of God into the people that are around us? So that's where we're going. I know we've already been praying, but I want to pray one more time, and then we're going to go after it. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence here with us. I thank you for these men. I thank you for your, for your love for these men. <laughs> thank you for your love for us. Now you are drawing and wooing us back to yourself. So we give you these short hours that we have, we give them completely to you. We want to be men after your own heart. We want to be men of your presence. And we want to see your power move around us. So would you teach us what it is to pray? What it is to be men who are in love with you and are present. So, Father, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you for your obedience and your glory that you gave it up for us. So we honor you, Jesus, here in this place. We invite you, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to come and give us ears to hear. And Holy Spirit, change us as you see fit to be like Jesus. Take away whatever needs to be taken away from me and from every man 
so that we can look like Christ. So Holy Spirit, you are free to move here in power. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So in our culture right now, um, there is a thing called the five capitals. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's called the five capitals. By the way, before I get jumped into this, just make sure that you've got one of these handouts so you can follow along with what we're doing. It's on the side that says MCC and NMMBC Men's Retreat, October 4th to 5th. You see our theme passage, Psalm 105.4, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. We have some teaching. I'm going to do a little bit of practical explanation and do a little bit of practice and sharing of actually praying. Okay, so the five capitals. Uh, in our culture right now, uh, we value specific capitals. One of them is financial capital. When you say our culture values financial capital, people are trying to get more and more. You have intellectual capital, a desire to keep going to school, learning, growing, right? Intellectual capital. People value physical capital. How many people go to the gym, working out, wanting to develop physical capital? Then relational capital, the ability to have relationship with one another, have emotional intelligence. And then fifth capital is spiritual capital. Financial capital, intellectual capital, physical capital, relational capital, and spiritual capital. In our culture right now, Spiritual capital is at the bottom and financial capital is at the top. But in the kingdom of God, spiritual capital is actually at the top. Paul actually says, this is 1 Timothy 4, 7 to 8, saying to uh, his son in the faith, he says, Train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, working out is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So this weekend is about us saying, okay, I'm, I spend a lot of time trying to earn financial capital. I may be spending a lot of time trying to work out and be physically strong. I may be spending a lot of time trying to build intellectual capital. But the truth for this weekend is all of those are important, but the priority for our lives is spiritual capital. Am I growing closer to God? And from there, the rest of those come into alignment. The priority then is spiritual capital. So that's kind of introduction as we're, we're going after this. Okay, definition of prayer. I don't know if you guys had this experience, but my, my context growing up is that I, I thought of prayer, growing up in church all my life, my parents are missionaries, I thought of prayer as the discipline of taking my requests to God every morning during my quiet time. That, that's my, that was my thought. In fact, I felt bad if I didn't do it, right? Someone said, you need to go, you need to pray every morning. Get in there. And so I've got my requests. I'm writing it down. I say my requests. I thought that's what prayer was. And I thought that was all that it was. And it actually was hard because I was so inconsistent at it because I didn't actually see anything happen. So I stopped doing it, right? And then I'd feel guilty when the pastor said, you know, you should be praying every morning. I said, okay. And I start praying again. And then what would happen? I'd be inconsistent. It got hard. I stopped it. 
And then you come across a verse like 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Continuously. With unwavering resolve. Pray without ceasing. And so I said to myself, how can this be? I can't do that. And part of my problem was, is I was defining prayer the wrong way. I was defining it as requests. Rather than relationship with God. Having a conversation with God. Having a conversation with the one who created me and loves me and experiencing his presence. When we define prayer that way, that's something that we can do continuously. <laughs> you know, I, with my wife, I don't have to think about, okay, well, now, I'm gonna, now we're going to do the conversation part, right? If I want to grow in relationship with her, I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to listen to her. Prayer is just conversation with God. And experiencing his presence that he is with us. So let's look at Psalm 105. Psalm 105 verse 4 is our theme verse. And the psalmist writes, he says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. The word seek means to try to get something, to reach out for something that one desires. It's about intentional effort. It's go get it. Don't sit around. Don't be passive. There's an intentionality to it. He says get it. Reach out. Seek. There's a hunger and a desire at play. There's a hunger and a desire for something that's greater than anything else I can get. So I'm going to seek for it. Are you all hearing me? seeking he says seek the lord and his strength seek his presence continually that word can actually either be all the time without stopping or it can refer to something that is done on a schedule repeatedly on a schedule and it's interesting that word actually carries the imagery of the tabernacle and the temple the imagery of incense being burned. The imagery of the daily offering being brought into the temple. That it was continually morning offering, evening offering, incense going up to the Lord. That continually actually has the visual image of worship yeah. to God. Continually. It says, seek what continually? It says, seek his presence Presence literally means his face or his person. It talks about relational intimacy with God. His face, his presence. In Psalm 27, 8, it says, God says, seek my face. Then in verse 4 of that chapter, the psalmist says, one thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. He says, the one thing I'm praying for, the one thing I'm going after. Have you ever thought about, like, the, what's the one thing you're praying for? He says, the one thing that I want, the one thing I'm going after, the one thing that will satisfy me is to be in your presence, God, he says. Get this, friends. God's face and his presence is life. Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. 
In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence there is fullness of joy. So when I define prayer as a conversation with the one who satisfies completely, that's a different way of thinking about prayer. Then I got to get my journal out and I got to do my thing. By the way, I'm not hating on that. That's an, an important aspect of prayer. But he says, come to me. Seek my face. Seek my presence. Be with me. Now, what's the problem? If all that's true, if his presence is life, if his presence is joy, and we're commanded to seek it, then why does it seem so hard? What's the problem? Why do we feel stuck? Why do I feel stuck? Why do I not pray? The answer is the enemy hates our communion with God. And the enemy's strategy is to cut off the lines of communication. The enemy's strategy in your life right now as you sit, the enemy has a goal in your life. He wants to cut you off from communion with God. Right now. Right now. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. In your presence there is fullness of joy. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. See, when you know the enemy's strategy, you can actually move. Y'all hear me? With warfare, it actually helps to know what the enemy's doing. I can tell you right now, the enemy wants to cut off lines of communication between you and God. He's actively doing it. I'll prove it to you. Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent, that's the enemy, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? Cutting off lines of communication, I think. Did he really say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. Everyone say naked. naked. They knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So one of the saddest verses in the Bible. I'm about to read it. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Can you see it? Where are you? I've been coming this way every single day to be with you, Adam and Eve. Where are you? 
We've been walking together hand in hand, enjoying what I created for you. Where are you? Where are you? God knew exactly where they were. But he wanted them to answer the question, where are you? I know where you are, but where are you? Do you know where you are? Do you know what has happened now between us because of this sin? We were like this, he says. Where are you? I'm so angry because I think even believers who are in Christ, let me just say it right now, the enemy is still whispering in our ears and making us think that it's not possible to be, to be like this with Abba Father. Jesus is saying to, where are you? Are you with me? And you saw what they did. They covered their shame. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Instead of being present with God and with each other, here I am. Adam and Eve covered their shame with leaves. Men, we do this all the time. We avoid being present with God and with each other. We avoid being present and we try to cover our shame. Instead of being men of presence, we run to other gods that we think will satisfy. We will run to things that we think will bring us joy and peace and love and what we're longing for. But what we're really longing for is God the Father. And we're drinking things that poison us when the Father is saying, where are you? Come to me. Instead, instead of being present with our families, we run off and hide. We just don't show up. Oh, we may be there, but we're not there. Are y'all hearing me? I may be with my son, Caden, but I'm not with him. I may be looking my wife in the eyes, but I'm not with her. It's a men's retreat. We can be honest right here. I can be present at church, but I'm not really here because I'm trying to cover up something. I'm telling you right now, friend, the enemy wants you stuck in shame. And he wants you never really present with anyone. Your family, your friends, your church, and even your God. That is his strategy right now for every man sitting in this room. Yes, sir. Oh, they showed up at the retreat, but they're not there. Oh, they went to that kid's, that, their kid's game, but they're not there. They listened to that sermon, but they're not there. Yes, sir. I have good news, friends. We do not have to live as men of shame. Amen. But we can live as men of presence. We do not have to live as men of shame, but we can live as men of presence. And this is a gift given to us by God himself. What does God do? (laughs) At the end of the chapter, do you know what he does? 
He said, take those fig leaves off. And God himself kills and makes a garment of skin for Adam and Eve. A perfect creation and a perfect animal loses his life to clothe the shame of Adam and Eve. God commits the first killing to cover the shame of Adam and Eve. And we all know that that's a picture of what's coming. That's a picture of what's coming. And the good news is this. God the Father is about getting us back to his presence. The truth of the good news is that God is at work. And everything he is about is about getting humanity back to himself. That's what's on his mind. He wants to get every single one of us back to himself to walk in the cool of the day in the garden. So in the fall, humanity lost the presence of God, filled with shame. And so God makes a covenant. He makes a covenant with his people. God's covenant with his people is all about presence. It's all about being with his people. Exodus 6, 7, I will be your God and you will be my people. Exodus 25, 8, let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. God's covenant, hear me, God's covenant is about being back with his people. So much so that he over and over and over and over says, I want these people for myself. I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my people. I'm going to dwell with them. He says it over and over and over and over again. And at the last book, Revelation 21, we read this. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Even at the end, there is a triumph that God is back with his people. And the primary metaphor for this covenant of getting back into his presence, the primary metaphor is called the tabernacle and the temple. We're just going to walk through that metaphor. The primary metaphor for God being with his people, meeting and dwelling with them, is the tabernacle and the temple. The presence of God is there. Exodus 40, 34 to 38. The people of God have left Egypt, and they're setting up camp by tribe, all 12 tribes, in a circle. And what are they surrounding? Do you know what's inside in the middle? The tabernacle. Because God wants to get inside his people. Are y'all seeing it? You have the 12 tribes in a circle like this. And the tabernacle is right in the middle. And he puts his presence there because he wants to be inside his people. Exodus 40, 34 to 38. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the clouds settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all of their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day 
and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So we see this tabernacle and the glory, the, the kavod, the heaviness, the weightiness of God is on the tabernacle. When it lifts, everybody says, let's go and follows. If it stays, everybody stays. Fast forward. Solomon and his temple. This is Second Chronicles 7, 1 to 3. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, remember he built the temple. Tabernacle was a shadow of the temple. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on his temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So now the temple is filled with the glory of God. So it's, it's filled so thickly that the priests can't even handle it. They can't even do what they're supposed to do because he's so thick in there. Can you see it? Can you see it? Oh, but he doesn't stop there. Jesus came as the temple. Jesus came as the meeting place. John 2, 19 to 21, Jesus said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And then John says, he was speaking about his body, just in case anybody didn't get it. Jesus said, I'm the temple. I'm the meeting place. I'm the place where the glory of God, the presence of God, can be around the people of God. And there's a place called the Holy of Holies, right? And Jesus says, I am this temple. I am this holy place that people can approach. But he doesn't stop there. (laughs) The death of Jesus and his resurrection opened up the presence of God for everyone. Matthew 27, 50 to 51, Jesus on the cross cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. You see, that holy place, only one high priest could go into that space to be with the presence of God. Only one? One time a year. One time a year, one guy gets to be in the presence of God. Jesus on the cross gives up his spirit. And that curtain that divides the presence of God from one guy, one time a year, that curtain gets torn. What does that symbolize? Y'all, come on. Come to me. I want to be with you. Come on in the Holy of Holies through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But it doesn't stop there, my friends. Because by the indwelling spirit, we become the temple of God. We become the dwelling place of God. We are the place where the glory comes and dwells inside. God was not satisfied with a tabernacle or a temple. And he's not satisfied with people just saying, that's nice. That's really nice. Mm -hmm." No, I want to get in you, God says. I want to be inside of you. Can you see it? You want to be a man of presence? Walk with the presence of God within you. 
It's a gift given to you through Christ by faith. It is the living God. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you by faith. You are a temple of the living God. I didn't even read the passage. I got so excited. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know? Uh-oh. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do you not know? Where are you? Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells within you? Jesus died to get you back into the presence of the Father. And oh, by the way, we don't have to wait till the end. Eternal life is not just slugging through this life and trying to get to heaven when you die. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The, the verb know is a verb of intimacy. He said, this is eternal life, that my people would know you, not head knowledge, but intimate acquaintance and tenderness and relationship with God. Right now. You can have him right now. You can be a man of presence right now. You don't have to wait until you see him face to face. You can have him right now. And the enemy wants you to forget everything I just said. The enemy is whispering, remember that thing you did? Why don't you cover that shame? The enemy is whispering. Did God really say? You want to be a man of presence? It has been provided for you in Jesus. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to cover it up. You can say, here I am. Not because I'm great, but because Jesus is great for me. (laughs) So practical application. Don't underestimate the power of the phrase, here I am. Don't underestimate the power of the phrase, here I am. Abraham said it, here I am. Moses said it, here I am. Jacob, wrestling with God, said, here I am. Isaiah, seeing the glory of the Lord high and lifted up, said, here I am. I'm convinced that one of the reasons we struggle with prayer is because our culture right now despises anything that takes time. How many people want to go to fast food? I don't, I don't want to go to slow food. <laughs> I, want to, I want to cook it in a microwave, not in a crock pot. Our culture despises things that take time and that, inqu- that require deep relationship. That's why I can get on Facebook. I got a thousand friends. I don't know any of those people. I don't have deep communion with these people. But I got all these friends. Are you all hearing me? 
Our culture despises things that take time and require deep communication and relationship. Well, growing in friendship with God, being a man of presence takes time. And it takes cultivating a relationship with God. I mentioned this earlier. My wife's name is Jess. And I remember when we first got to meet each other, man, I'm glad they didn't have cell phones because we would have worn out our plan. <laughs> talk, 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 talk. I had, the, I had the string, and I made sure to get the long string so I could walk away from the phone because it was in the kitchen. Yeah. I had to get the long cord so I could get into my room. And talk, 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 talk. You see, when you want to build a relationship with someone, you're going to take time to talk to them. And not just talk to them. If I want to grow in my relationship with my wife, I cannot neglect her. I have to cultivate that relationship. And if I go to my wife and say, I have these requests of you. One, two, three, four, five. Bye-bye. This is what I want from you. One, two, three, four, five. Bye-bye. But somehow we treat God that way in prayer. I got this request, this request, and this request, and this request. Bye-bye. So you got to ask a question. With God, ask yourself, am I cultivating a relationship with him, or am I just throwing requests at him? the phrase is here I am I've been asking the Lord to make me a man who says here I am my kids soccer game here I am I'm not going to be dreaming that I'm somewhere else I'm right here and when my wife is looking me in the eye and talking about something I'm not going to be thinking about something else here I am and when I show up at a men's retreat Here I am. I'm not thinking about, I got to do this, this, this. No, here I am. I'm going to be present. So an illustration, 1 Samuel 3. The little boy named Samuel. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and laid down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The sovereign God is good to speak. (laughs) Mm. To one who doesn't even know him. Mm. 
And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood. Now that's something. Uh-oh, I didn't even see that. And the Lord came and stood. There's something about when you're listening for him, he's going to come. He just spoke to him the other three times, didn't he? Abba's showing me this right now. The other three times, it was just his voice. But when Samuel was prepared to hear, he came and stood right there. He said, my presence is here. (laughs) Maybe expectation is a bigger deal than we think. Maybe the Lord's not standing in your presence and being with you because you're not expecting him to. Maybe all you're hearing is a voice, but he says, I want to stand with you. I want to stand in your marriage. I want to stand with your kids. I want to stand with you at work. I want to stand with you at your church. You want to be a man of presence? I will come and stand with you. Expect it. Because when Samuel wasn't expecting it, it was just. But when Samuel was prepared to hear, the Lord came and stood. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Brothers, to be men of presence. Let's be aware that God wants to speak to us every day. Let's let's say from now on, here I am. You want to you want to you want to talk to me at any point? Here I am. You want to talk to me in the middle of the night when I'm dead asleep? Here I am. You want to talk to me in a song I hear on the radio? Here I am. You want to talk to me at a retreat? When I'm knocking out apple cobbler or whatever that was, here I am. That was some good cobbler too. Let's say here I am. So he says, here I am. So some practical, some practical notes for us. First, be aware that God wants to speak to you every single day. Be aware. When you're expecting it, he will stand in your presence. We just saw that in the text. Secondly, show up. Show up. Set your alarm and get up. There's a a sense in which we have to take control of our time. And say, this is important to me. I want him more than anything else. I'm going to set my alarm and I'm going to show up to be with him. I'm going to prepare the altar of my heart. I'm going to go ahead and put wood on the altar of my heart so he can show up and bring fire. First thing of the day, show up. Don't be a man of presence, show up. Get in the word, be in his presence. Thirdly, talk less and listen more. 
You, you want to grow in prayer? Don't talk. Just listen to what he has to say. I've learned more in prayer by not talking and by listening than hours and hours and hours of talking. Talk less, listen more, and write down what you hear. Fourth, embrace and accept who the Father says you are. We're going to talk about this more tomorrow morning. But when you start listening to the Father, he's going to tell you what he thinks about you. And it is far more glorious than you can imagine. (laughs) He has works prepared beforehand, before the beginning of time. He has things prepared for you to do. And he will speak identity into your life and calling. So I'm getting ahead of myself, but just embrace and accept. Because if you're going to listen, he's going to tell you. Embrace and accept who the Father says you are. Fifthly, be patient. All relationships take time and practice. You want to grow in hearing God's voice, it takes time. You know, when when you pick up a phone... If I pick up the phone and my wife says, hey, I know it's her because I know her voice. Are y'all hearing me? Someone I don't know, I pick up, they say, hey, I'm like, hey, what? I don't know you because I don't know your voice. You see, we can grow in such a way in relationship with God that we can actually get to know his voice. I know what he sounds like. I know as I'm reading first, through 1 Samuel 3, I know what it sounds like when he says, Jamie, stop preaching your notes and preach what I just showed you. I know what it sounds like yes, sir. because I've built relationship with him. Yes, sir. It takes time. Yes, sir. So be patient. Practice hearing his voice. And finally, walk with him throughout the day in obedience. You can actually walk in the presence of God All day, 24 hours a day. I used to think that I did my quiet time in the holy place. And then I was just trying to survive in the evil world until I could get back to the holy place. Then I realized, no, I am the temple of the living God. Wherever I go is holy. Because he is there. If I go to the gas station, that gas station just became holy. When I'm on the fruit snack aisle at the grocery store getting fruit snacks for my kid, that aisle just became holy. See, I can walk throughout the day experiencing the presence of God in reality. Now, he's always there, but my perception of him is not always there. And so the call for us as men of presence is when I walk, the presence is there. God is there. Man, I want to preach tomorrow's message. Because what's exciting is when I get in front of somebody, because I know who I am, that person's in trouble because God wants to speak to them through me. That's true of everyone I come into contact with. If I'll just listen, he's got something to say to that person right there. So I can walk, but it's walking in obedience in a relationship with God that I've been developing and cultivating by saying, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. You want to use me at the grocery store? Here I am. Here I am.
Let's get practical. If you flip the page, we're going to practice prayer. (laughs) We're going to practice His presence. Back of the page it says, four keys to listening prayer. This is just something that I've used and I've found amazing breakthrough in hearing God's voice and in listening to Him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's either true or it's not true. (laughs) We can either hear his voice or we can't. And he says, my sheep hear my voice. So four keys. Key number one, stillness. Get quiet. Prepare to listen. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. You want to learn how to hear his voice? Get still. Stop talking. (laughs) Quiet yourself in his presence. Confess any sin that you know of and receive his forgiveness. And just be still. Second key. Picture Christ with you. We see this in Hebrews 12 too. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Kids do this all the time. If you're reading a Bible story with a kid, that kid is picturing that Bible story. I guarantee it. If it's Jesus on the boat in the Sea of Galilee, my son is looking at Galilee. He's looking at the sea. He's got the boat. There's Jesus. There's the disciples. There's Peter walking on water. I mean, he sees it all. And Jesus said, you need to get to be like a child to enter the kingdom. So look for vision. Look for where Jesus is. Fix your eyes on Jesus. When I first started looking for Jesus, I'd get still. I'd look for Jesus, and I'd just see an outline of somebody. But I trusted that that was Jesus. And eventually over time, I began to see what he was wearing and see his face. I'm going to fix my eyes. I'm going to use vision to see him. Third key, flow. Tune to flowing thoughts, pictures, scriptures. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this he said about the spirit who those who believed in him were to receive. So the way the way God speaks oftentimes has a flow to it. You know like when you get a radio and you're tuning the dial and you're not quite on the station? It's got that sound. But then if you can just tune that dial, there it is. Got it. That's us tuning. Tuning to flow. God's voice often comes to us not as audible outside but he dwells within. So his voice is actually going to sound like your own thoughts from within. Because he's inside. He's not out here. He's inside. And this has happened to every single one of us. I guarantee you've been doing nothing and then you just think of somebody. Somebody just comes to your mind. And then you get a phone call and it's that person. You know, something like that. That's God speaking to you. It's not audible. It's thoughts. Pictures, scriptures, impressions that sound like it could even be your own voice, something spontaneous.
Fourth key, what has really helped me is whatever comes into my mind when I'm asking him to speak, these thoughts and pictures, I'm just going to write them down. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to journal it. I'm going to write it down. And then later I can go back and test it and say, is this from the Lord or is this just something I've been thinking about? Write out what you hear. Write out what you think. Because you're asking him to speak, right? So write it down and you can come back and test it and analyze it. But whatever's flowing, write it down. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to practice listening prayer. You should all have a notebook with you. I'm going to ask you to turn it to any page on there. We're going to use all four of these keys. We're going to get still. We're going to picture Christ with us. We're going to tune our, the ears of our hearts to whatever's flowing. And then we're just going to write it down. We're just going to take a few moments to do this, and then what we're going to do, because this is what's the value of being in community, is you get to talk to a brother and test it. You you say, this is what I heard. Do you think that's from the Lord or not? Because it gets a little scary when somebody says, well, I heard something. Well, did you submit that to community? (laughs) Did you submit that to people that are living with you and know the word? So what we're going to do is we're going to journal and then we're going to pair up just with somebody around you, two guys, and we're going to share what we're hearing in this journal. Okay? Here's one of the questions. You can pick any of these questions or you can write whatever other question you want. But you can write a question like, Lord, do you love me? Lord, how do you see me? Lord, what would you like to say to me? What I regularly ask the Lord when I don't have a question for him is I say, Abba, what's on your heart right now? If I don't have a question, that's the question I'm asking. What's on your heart? So go ahead and write that question on the top of your page. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to be still. We're going to picture Jesus. We're going to write down what we're hearing and sensing. And then I'll let you know when it's time to be finished. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to listen to the Lord. Father, I thank you for your presence here with us. Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you are the champion and the victor, that you have triumphed over our sin and our rebellion. You've triumphed over death itself. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've been poured into our hearts. And I bless every man here with an increase in revelation. I bless them with ears to hear you. I bless them with hearing you very clearly this evening. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, speak as we listen. Go ahead and get still. Picture Jesus. Ask him that question. And then write down everything that comes to mind. I hate to break it up. That was good, man. That was good to seeing y'all talking. Okay. This is what we're going to do. I, w- I wonder if there's a couple of folks that would be willing to share uh, what, what you saw, what you heard. Would you like to share it with the group just as an encouragement uh, for the rest of the group? Who'd like to share?
Brock, you want to come on up? Yeah. You can do that. All right. Is this on? Okay. I don't know. So I asked, uh, Abba, what's on your heart? And the first thing I heard was the word thin. And then I heard spread thin. And I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> and I asked, you know, what next? And I heard, stay still. Finish what you started. And I know exactly what he's talking to me about because uh, I have an opportunity to move up in a nonprofit that I volunteer in. And even though it's what my flesh wants, it's not what God wants me to do right now. And I've heard people, especially my wife, (laughs) who is very in tune uh, with things a lot of times, who just was like, I don't think this is what you're supposed to do. And I closed my self off to hearing that truth Um, and then I asked uh, how do you feel about me and uh, I just heard the Lord from very far away say press in something I haven't done and so that's that's what I got so so here, here's a teaching moment. Can you feel in the spiritual when your spirit agrees with what you heard? Can you feel it? Like it actually drops and it's like a sense of whoo. And you just go, oh, okay, that was the Lord. You can actually sense it. And, and if you didn't sense it, that's okay. That's part of growing in relationship and growing to hear his voice. I'm just using that as a teaching example. As soon as Brock said that, I could just sense whoo. Like the presence just, woo. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. So just be in tune for that. Um, oftentimes you'll hear someone talk, and I'll go, Mm-mm, that's not the Lord. I can tell. And then the times I'll talk, I'll go, ooh. Mm-hmm. That's from the Lord. Um, that was the Lord. Mark, will you put your hand on Brock? Let's extend our hands to Brock, and we're going to bless what the Lord has said to this man. Mark, go ahead and just pray over him. Amen. 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 Okay. We're, I'm going to have to call it. Uh, we're about to move into um, a, a, an opportunity for us to, one, stand up, <laughs> but also uh, to kind of move into a new, a, new, um, a new place of saying, here I am. Now, as I've been talking... I might have been, it might have been when we were talking about shame. It might have been while we were talking about the fig leaves. But the Lord, the Lord is identifying for every single one of us, what's holding you back from saying, here I am? What is that thing that's holding you back from saying, here I am? I'm going to be a man of presence. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a fig leaf. Maybe it's running after other things that you think will satisfy. But what is that thing that's keeping you from saying, here I am? And what we're going to do is we're going to move from this room and we're going to head out. And we're going to write down what, what we believe is holding us back. And there's a trash can out there. We're going to write it down, crumple it up, 
throw it away. And we're going to receive prayer from elders out there who are going to pray over us that we will step into being men of presence who are present with everyone they come into contact with and are present with the Lord. So just be thinking about what that is. I'm just going to give us just a couple of minutes to just think. And it may be that you just write down, the enemy is trying to cut off lines of communication. It stops now. Tear it. And that's what you throw out. But you're going to receive something. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you're going to receive something in exchange. So everybody, let's write down what's, what's holding me back from being a here I am man of presence.